another zombie uprising, and we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Hope I didn't say that too fast. <laughs> Weird energy, man. If you're looking uh, for The Walking Dead, you've come to the right place. It seems that this is the destination. Maybe I should change the name to the Zombie Podcast. <laughs> Early in the week, we had uh, uh, Jake Danger Jolly back on, third time. Uh, talking about his new movie, Clay Zombies. We featured Adam Lippy and his movie, Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, about zombies three times. Uh, we've had many, many authors who've written books about zombies on the show. <laughs> and we got another one tonight. Uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that my guest tonight probably has written the best book about zombies. Although I haven't read it yet. I'm just going to guess that that's the case and assume that that's the case. Uh, and, uh, I have a special, um, a special place in my heart for tonight's, uh, author because she is the first author that I interviewed on this program back when. Now, um, anybody who is in podcasting or does anything like this radio show, podcasting, public access TV show, whatever they're doing, uh, at some level, on some level. The goal is to have some influence, to to affect people's lives in some way. And anybody who uh, doesn't tell you that either is being dishonest or is not conscious of the purpose behind what they're doing. But basically, if you're in a podcast business, you're you're looking to have some influence. Now, we hear the term influencer all the time. I have no no desire to be a professional influencer. But I do, obviously, if I'm doing this, I want to have some influence. And this kind of ties together with why I started doing authors uh, interviews way back when, when I was looking for a purpose for this podcast, which was different from the radio show that I used to have. Uh, And you've heard me express over the couple of weeks or months or... (laughs) a couple of years now, uh, that I'm unclear whether I'm having any uh, effect. If, you know, if we're reaching anybody, if we're actually making a difference in the world. And do I have any influence? Today I found out absolutely for certain that I have influence. And I'm extremely embarrassed about it. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for it. So I kind of have to backtrack a little bit here. Uh, the, The hosts of the Bitchin' Baby Boomers podcast. Had them on the show a couple of months ago, two months ago now. And uh, when I had them on the guest, as guests, uh, I started out with them in the back room, as my guest is tonight. Uh, and they were hearing what I was saying. And I, I basically started out by saying, this guy's got a, a, a rough road ahead of them with the name like Bitchin' Baby Boomers Podcast because boomers don't listen to podcasts. Most of the boomers I know, uh, don't even know what a podcast is, to be honest with you. I mean, most of them don't know what it is. Some of them, some of them head to word, but don't know exactly what it is or how they listen to it or you watch it or whatever. 
Uh, so boomers uh, in the title of the podcast is probably, <laughs> and I, I people who know me know I don't have much of a filter, and sometimes I'm just talking to hear the sound of my own voice, like I am right now. <laughs> but uh, I was saying that uh, as I was introducing them, and I, while they were backstage, they were saying, "What the hell is this about? This guy's just kind of attacking us." People were, were even guests on the show, uh, but we had a, a nice interview. Uh, a lot of laughs, and uh, I was on Bear podcast today as a guest. And the first thing I noticed was uh, the background that they had said "Big Bad Broadcast," and I thought, "Oh, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice backdrop you got." And one of the hosts, Craig, said, "Well, it was just done last night. We were rebranding," and that kind of went over my head. And towards the end of the uh, broadcast, uh, uh, the podcast, I, I mentioned that, you know, why the big bad broadcast? And they said they were rebranding because of what I said uh, when uh, I was introducing them about it not being uh, conducive to promoting to boomers and that kind of stuff. Boomers does have a, a negative connotation. But here's the thing, folks. If you're, for whatever reason, you're prompted... <laughs> To take action because I said something, get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. I mean, really, don't go rebranding your podcast because I said something stupid about it. Uh, and I, I love that I uh, found out that I am having some influence, but not in that way. I mean, really, uh, just making a comment, not suggesting that you change your life, change your business model. Uh, so I'm going to be a little more careful about what I say and actually listen to what I say. But uh, just uh, for now, know that I, I do want to have some influence, but you should probably get a second opinion. Now, tying that into why my guest is here tonight and uh, what this is all about. When I first started the podcast, I was aimless. I knew I wanted to have some influence, but I did not want to go back to doing what I did on the radio show, which was a lot of conspiracy theorists, psychics, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, all that kind of crazy stuff. And I wanted to get away from that a little bit. And I thought, well, one of the causes that my mom was very uh, dedicated to was literacy, literacy volunteers. And I, I have been on this thing where people don't read enough. People don't read enough. And we, that's evident by all the chatter on social media. So I decided that I would start interviewing authors. My guest tonight is the very first author I interviewed. And so a uh, special place there. I, now we're 300 authors, 300 plus authors in. Uh, read a lot of books over the last uh, couple of years. And I will say this, they say reading makes you smarter. If that's the case, I should be Einstein by now, but not any smarter than I was when I started this journey, uh, reading makes you think more. It makes you use your mind. It activates your mind a little more. And that's a good thing. And if, as long as you're thinking, I can't promise it will make you smarter or even more well-informed. But I can tell you it's a good exercise for your mind, and I think you should do it more often. Before I bring my guest in, i got to quickly, because I've rambled on a little bit too long already, uh, let's talk about the sponsors. Tonight's show is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital, as you know, is a business lender matching platform. Gets you the best lines of credit guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Don't make me do the spiel about starting your business. 
just know that you can get money to start a business, okay? Now, you get the best funding qualified for it. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. You can tell I've been practicing my reading. <laughs> Weird entity, man. Uh, we have they have hundreds of five star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at zero percent interest for nine to fifteen months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short term gap funding, bridge loans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they work with real estate startups, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project to get started. Get started tonight, right after the program. Not now. Go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Links in the description. As I mentioned, uh, Stephanie Gray is now uh, with us for the third time. She's offered, authored a couple of books previously. Her, her current uh, book out is ZRT uh, Zombie. What is that? Zombie something. Zombie response team. Division Tennessee. <laughs> uh, let me show the cover of the book here. There it is. Yeah, it's a zombie response team. So we're back on zombies, folks, uh, and we're going to find out what the what the new book is all about. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome back to the Mind Dog TV podcast, Stephanie Gray. Stephanie, welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me again. It's my pleasure to have you back again. You're my first. My I popped the cherry. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so zombies is a... Uh, a little something a little bit different for you. I mean, uh, departing from the, the witchy stuff and the haunted kind of stuff. Uh, uh, tell no me claymation about... for me, though, though. That was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that. Uh, you did? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think I would, but I did. In, in, a, in a weird way, it, I, it was very entertaining to me. I didn't, you know, I think that's for younger people, but uh, I was very much entertained by it and was, was, able to hold my attention for the whole, whole feature which is surprising for something that is claymation which i would not think that i would be inclined to like but um, no, they obviously worked very hard on it and i liked it yeah uh great production but what what got you in was it the uh the pandemic that that stirred this the idea of uh zombieism <laughs> zombieism in you no actually i um I started writing this book a long time ago before the pandemic even started. And then I finished it years. There was a long, like years of a gap in between me beginning and finishing it. So it just, it just so happens that this is the year that it comes out as we're in the middle of this pandemic still. Right. It seems like a lot of it is coming out though. Is that, is that a concern that, that there's so much of it? It's like uh, oversaturating the zombie market. <laughs> You know, the best we can do is all have our own spin on it. Like there were a couple authors who um, reviewed my book. Uh, there was Matthew Costello. I read his story, Vacation, and it was definitely an interesting twist on it. And then Scott, sorry if I'm about to botch it, either Kinemar or Kinemar, Um, but he wrote Zombie Ohio. And it was, I really enjoyed that one because that one was about a zombie who was self-aware and has his own zombie army and i just i thought that was a really fun way to do it so everybody just trying to put it, their fresh spin on it right uh what is an abnormal because i consider myself very abnormal <laughs> but uh when you when you use the term like an abnormal like it like it's a label for a, a condition or something okay can we without spoiling too much about the book know what that means <laughs> yeah, um an abnormal is someone who was bitten by a zombie and instead of becoming undead 
they get special powers instead. So, you know, like strength, speed, that kind of thing. Interesting. Uh, and why that, <laughs> why that particular term abnormals? Cause I, my mind automatically goes back to Mel Brooks. I don't know if you remember <laughs> Mel, Mel Brooks and all, young Frankenstein and Abby normal and, and the brain transplant and all that, but that's where my mind goes to. <laughs> why, why abnormals? I don't know. I just, I remember I was sitting there and I was trying to think of a different thing to call them. And so abnormal was the best that I could do with it. I, <laughs> Like Not half, really. half hybrid zombie or whatever. I don't know, but it's a, it's a strange, uh, strange. Where's zombie? I don't know. <laughs> oh, where's zombie? Um, so is that how you become, <laughs> is that how you be, get, got gotten by a zombie? You get bitten? I did not know that. I mm -hmm. thought they, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Because I never really followed, you know, zombie stuff. I think there was one zombie movie when I was a kid. And that was Night of the Walking Dead. I mean, other than that, I don't remember much about zombies and don't, didn't learn much about them. Uh, so it's basically people that have died. But what brings them back to life in the first place? Uh, they're really not sure. It's just a virus that goes through that brings them back, basically. Really? So but in... In the in the summation of the book, uh, the synopsis, I think it says something about a zombie uprising. Now, because <laughs> that that to me that I, that's another thing that I found amusing—a zombie uprising. It would mean that something had to cause several corpses, dead dead people, to rise up all simultaneously. Uh, and but you didn't you didn't prescribe uh, or ascribe a. Uh, a cause to that like it just happened basically i mean the, the book takes place three years after the zombie apocalypse so there's zombies still around but people are trying to get back to the normal world they had before so you have zrt zombie response teams and they're in every single state except for hawaii because i blew them up in the book and you know they're just so you have like division alaska division alabama of course division tennessee where the story takes place and they're there to eradicate the rest of the zombies Wow. Uh, and the book comes out today, right? Uh, or am I wrong? Wow, no, it's out today. Nice. Uh, so uh, have you made plans to go back to like normal book promotion? By normal book promotion, I mean like going to a bookstore and doing signings and meeting people and that kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, I, I got the shot, but I'm still, you know, being around a lot of people at one go. And I mean, there's people out there like my dad, God love them, who were just totally against getting the shot altogether. So I'm like, and you know, if somebody asks if you got it, he's like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't trust people. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because uh, I, I, I didn't even uh, think about it. In some places there are people, because I've been going up, you know, I'm a perform and I've been doing it since it's now like a May of 2020 is when I, we first started going back to gigging and been doing it uh, just pretty much every weekend and some of the weeknights since then. And uh, don't even think about being in a room full of people. It's, it's just uh, odd to me that in other places of the country and, I, you know, people are being cautious and all that stuff, but I'm surprised by it, I should say. Well, I, I lost someone in the pandemic. So, so I lost 46 yeah. people. 46 people yeah i'd say it was a laughter because there's no other, i i mean if i don't i would just break down crying uh three of my booking agents very uh <laughs> who affect my livelihood very much um 
you know, it, it's so many people I, I know that I've lost a lot of our friends and fans of, of the band. Of, you know, here it got very bad, but it passed. And then once it passed and people, we were wearing masks at first and all that kind of stuff. But once we got vaccinated and, and out, uh, just didn't it, you know, it's, it's pretty much. And I had COVID more than once. I survived, So I don't, I don't think, I, it, you know, I don't even think about it now. I feel safe. I don't feel like I'm going to get it. I certainly don't feel like I'm going to spread it to anybody else. Uh, so it's not a big deal for me to be going out. But I didn't realize that it was still for a lot of people. It's, it's just because I'm separated from it. And the life I've been living for the last 15 months or so uh, is not that. But it's pretty uh, strange. So no book signings. No going back to book signings. Well, I mean, I don't mind going out in public or anything like that. It's just being around a bunch of people who want to shake my hand or something. I just, I don't want to do that. Oh right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I thought I, there need to be restrictions on that stuff, but I didn't think there would be an issue. You're holding your own pen. You're signing your own book before giving it. Yeah, don't touch me. Here, buy my stuff. No, that is that is definitely a concern because on stage, it's some like a lot of times when you're done, people they want to, they want a piece of you and it, you have it's awkward to kind of say uh, you know we can't be doing that anymore or at this point until until we know everybody's safe no no pressing the flesh as they say. right well it was funny we my husband and i went to a dueling piano show recently and it was you know usually you can just walk up and hand him what you want you know and this one, nope, they had them up on the stage and then they had it all blocked off and a little fishbowl off to the side where you had to stick all your suggestions in and then somebody would come over and get it with, and they would have gloves on. So yeah. really take a lot of precaution. but it was, I mean, it was a good show. Very talented people. I love doing pianos. They're so much fun. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and of course you write the book because you love to write and you, you love the process. You love all that stuff. But at some point, uh, you want people to read it, and I, I think all this stuff has got uh, got to be a hindrance and a frustration of trying to get your work out there. And I know, you know, there are probably uh, eight hundred thousand books published every day in the world, or some some ridiculous number like that. Uh, so it's really hard to get get noticed in the first place. But this all this stuff must be extremely frustrating. It can be, but you know, I have to admit. Um... My publisher, BHC Press, they're really great with their marketing. They're great with everything that they do, but they're really great with their marketing. Like they sent me an email yesterday showing me the ad that they're putting in Sci-Fi Magazine that comes out November 9th that's got my book in it. Um, Prudence, uh, the Immortal Prince Blackwood was in Screen Magazine last year. So they really go above beyond trying to get the stuff out there for everybody and wow. getting reviews in. So Interesting. They're- yeah. As I, you said sci-fi. I, I didn't even think of zombie as sci-fi. I think it, I don't know what I think of it, but is it sci-fi? Is it is it science science fiction? I've always thought. Let's get Rolf on the phone. We'll ask him. I, <laughs> your guest from what was it Tuesday or <laughs> yesterday? We'll yeah. get him on the phone and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> well that that's interesting. Cause, you know, I I would think of it like in the horror genre or. I was a pretty strong H. <laughs> horror. Horror. Horror <laughs> um, genre. No? It can be, I guess. I don't know. Like, my book, I tried to make it a little bit more lighthearted. I mean, it's not it's not like a Wishly Influence where I just made it just kind of quirky and ridiculous. But this one definitely, I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie or a movie <laughs> as a book at all. Like, I would just go by science fiction for sure. 
It's kind of, you want it to be a movie, don't you? Oh, that'd be awesome. But, I mean, <laughs> well, you, should, you should get in touch with uh, with with some of the independent authors I have on because uh, independent filmmakers that I have on because uh, I I would love to see uh, a combination of some one of the authors that I've had on get together with one of the independent filmmakers I, I've had on and do something really extraordinary and and special and that, nothing would make my life feel like it had meaning more than something like that. That would be awesome. There's a, there's so many books out there. You know, they, Hollywood just keeps remaking movies over and over again. And there's so many books out there that I would just, God, I would love to see them as a film. And I think that like, Aileen Martinez, there's a couple of his books in particular, I think would be all, like Gil's Off Right Diner that he has. I mean, that book is hilarious. And I think it would translate really well to the screen. Right. It's so frustrating. And I'm not a pop culture guy. I'm pretty much uh, clueless when it comes to pop culture. But whenever I see him making remakes and third generation remakes, things that were made in the 1930s, remade in the 1970s, and now being remade again, it's like, man, there are so many new books out there, new ideas out there. Why do we keep going back to, you know, King Kong and Godzilla and whatever, anything from the past? What do you think about that? No, I agree with you completely. I mean, I just, when they released The Amazing Spider-Man, it was only 10 years after, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I mean, it was just, I mean, I know we're not talking about an epic thing of remaking there, but still just a 10-year difference or you know, a new Tomb Raider after it just, it feels like they just don't have enough time. And sometimes the classic is a classic for a reason. You just don't mess with it. Like I liked watching Murphy Brown whenever I was younger. I mean, it was on Nick at night at that point, but I liked watching it and then they rebooted it and then it was gone within what a season. I mean, just sometimes you just got to let the magic be there and be what it was. You don't need to, it's like if they try to recreate the golden girls right now, just you got to leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Paul Simon had a uh, no. Was it Paul Simon? Yeah, Paul Simon, I believe, had a, a song called "Leave a Tender Moment Alone." Oh, maybe it was P- Billy Joel. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, t- leave a tender moment alone, but something like you know, when you when you get it right, don't try to remake something that is, uh, you know, high standards like that. You know, people people loved it. Why remake it? Why? And I have a friend who who wants to do that constantly, a musician, and he's always wanting to redo songs that was were done, our our own songs and original songs. He wants to redo stuff we recorded forty years ago. And I was like, move on, man. There's more <laughs> ideas. There's more new stuff to be learned and new experiences to be had. Why do we have to keep living in the past? It's, it's just a, a very strange thing to me. Uh, enjoyable process for writing this book, and and tell me about how long it took you uh, to write it, and uh, and the process of, of doing it, and, and what it felt like. Are you uh, were you um, inspired the whole time going through it, and was it a quick uh, quick write? No, I wouldn't call it quick because there were several years between. I'm just I started writing it when I was in my twenties, and um, then just kind of life got in the way working. And I was, I had two jobs at that point where I was at my day job. And then at night I was an assistant MMA coach. And so I just really didn't have any extra time to, to write, but you know, once that kind of, that phase of my life ended and, um, I went, I actually lived in Hawaii for three years and I really hate it, which is why I blew it up in the book. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I, I actually finished it while I was there and then I've been, I tweaked it and then, you know, I sent it to VHC press. 
how many p- people uh, would be buying your book right now in, ha- in Hawaii, except for the fact that uh, you eliminated them from the planet? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it, was it the people or, or, or the, the, I don't know, I don't want to say uh, the culture, but the fact that it was so removed from the rest of the world? Uh, how, how could well, you hate Hawaii? To me, that's paradise. Right? If you visit it, yeah, sure. No, if you live there, it's terrible. I don't care if you're in, if you're in Hawaii right now. God bless you. Um, no, so we, my husband, was transferred there, and we were there, and I was really looking forward to it. And the job that I took there, those people were the nastiest people I've ever had to work with in my entire life. They were so rude, and it was all because. I wasn't from the island. It was, you know, that just the way that they treat people, if they're not from there, they're very inclusive. And if you go to a tourist, you know, a, a touristy area, oh, they're great to you. But if you go, you know, off the beaten path, they're not from the people that I encountered. And I'm sure there's nice people out there. Unfortunately, I did not meet these people. Right. Um, they were all just a bunch of jerks where I worked. <laughs> and then I didn't, I quit within three months. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it there anymore. But you blew up the nice people with the with the good people. Terrible. I, I did. Terrible. I did. You know, I'm, I don't know how I sleep at night. You know, I, I, I was. Just, I'm thinking about it though. If they if they don't like people who are not from there, I mean, the a number of I would think the number of people who actually could trace their roots back to that island are pretty small. It's uh, it's amazing. Or, uh, you'd you'd be really surprised. You know, my first month I got called into my boss's office at the time, and I am not kidding. I got in trouble for being too professional. And I started laughing. He said, Oh no, 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 no. You're too mainland. When you give deadlines and you get mad at people because they don't meet the deadline, that's too mainland. I'm like, well, well what am I supposed to do? There, there are deadlines for a reason. It's not a yellow light. It's just not a suggestion, right. you know, just, but whatever it's, it is what it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I remember writing that book. It was a lot of fun. And actually, I remember I finished it. I was sitting down. I had my laptop on my lap. Um, it was actually in my bedroom and I, it was late at night and, uh, my cats were with me <laughs> and one of them, she, She's passed since then, but she kept taking my pencil where I write notes and everything. And finally, like, I just took it and I was like, you can just have this. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and that was how I finished it. <laughs> I, I, I've heard of, uh, again, now 300 author inter- plus in- interviews into this uh, thing. Uh, people, some of, quite a few of them had said they have rituals when, they, when they're done with the book. Just something to, to mark the celebration of just finishing it uh does it feel like a relief when you actually finish it or uh does it feel like um i don't know letting go like graduating high school has a melancholy (laughs) feel to it graduating college you're never going to see those people again or you feel that way uh tell me about the feeling when you when you actually finish the book it's exhilarating i mean i I, yes i mean it's you work on this for so long and then you know you you have created something just out of your brain. It just went from your brain to, you know, to your laptop or desktop, whatever you're using. And it's just, it's such an amazing feeling. You finish it and, and you feel really, and now 
Personally, for me, I get up and I do a really stupid dance, like, you know, the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. It's ridiculous, but that's the dance that I, I mimic because I suck at dancing. So I'm, you know, and doing the kicks and stuff. And, you know, my cat's looking at me like I'm a crazy person because typically whenever I finish writing something, my husband is nowhere to be found. <laughs> so it's just me dancing like an idiot. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's good to uh, <laughs> doing some cabbage patch. <laughs> um. It, when you're done with it, 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 have you ever, because this happens to me a lot and it's the most frustrating thing, you think you're done with it, then you hand it off to your publisher or editor, <laughs> I don't know the process, and you find out you're not done, has that happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, well, I well, it's it's fine. You know, they, they see things that, because you're so close to it, because I'll, I'll take away a month after I've I've looked at it. And to give myself, you know, time to have come, like, come back with some fresh eyes. And I'll look at it again to see from, because I'm, I am notorious for leaving out words, just, just random. I, I type super fast and leaving out. So, you Me know, I try too. and find those. Oh yeah. It's a pain, right? Yeah. But no, then they come through and they'll have their notes. But for this book, it was kind of funny how the title came about because when I submitted the Immortal Prudence Blackwood and the Witchly Influence to them, they really liked those titles. This time, on the other hand, the original the original title was just Division Tennessee. And, you know, if you read the book, you understand that that's really the, the best title for it. I really couldn't come up with something else because I really didn't want to have, you know, I, there were some titles that I like. Thank you. There were some titles that I liked that I, they've been used a lot. And uh, BHC Press came back and like, eh, this title kind of sucks. You know, your other titles are so great. Can you come up with a new list? So I came up with a new list. I sent that in and they're like, mm, no, try again. <laughs> so I sent another list and, and ZRT Division Tennessee was on there really more as a filler than anything. And whenever they came back and said, oh, we're going to go with that one. I thought you guys gave me all the crap about my title Division Tennessee and you're adding three little letters in front of it and suddenly it's okay. <laughs> But yeah. it works. It really you, works. You know, to me, it's important, uh, and th this is why I, I did it in the title for this show. It's important to say the word zombie. It's a key word. Now, I, I, it bothers me in a lot of ways that I have to think this way. And I was watching uh, Henry Phillips' movie last night, Punching Henry, and it, the marketing people for the television network that was in, in the movie that was uh, putting on his show were really uh, concerned with putting keywords into songs, putting keywords into your titles, making sure all that. We have to think that way in today's time and age. So to me, it was really important. If I just put uh, Meet the Author, Stephanie Gray, ZRT, nobody's, YouTube's not going to show it to anybody. The All, all the uh, algorithms are just going to say, what the hell is ZRT? But if I put the word zombie in there, I know people, it will pique some people's interest and uh, just that word will show up more in the suggestion stuff. So for me, it was important to get that in there. Did Were they thinking that or when they, because it does say it on oh, top I'm of sure. the Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. they're they're on top of their game. They're, they're so great with everything they do with their editing, their cover design. I mean, I really love this cover that they've done. Um, uh, the, with, the cover is is beautiful and, and very. Uh, it, it will draw you in. If you were walking through a bookstore and saw it, you would you would draw to. And if you're browsing on Amazon and happen to be uh, and happen to see it, you're going to stop and look at it for without a doubt. I just think it sucks that we have to think about keywords when creating art because art should be separate from business in a lot of ways. You want to, you know, but it's not that way any longer. We have to be always conscious of that. I agree. I mean, but you know, with their marketing, they know what they're doing. So I, I can, 
you know, whatever they really want to do, I'm, I'm on board with, they know more than I do. They do their research and you know, they're, they're just, they're good to me. So right. do you have any involvement in the cover at all? I mean, do they send it to you and say, Oh, do you approve or not? And if you, if you didn't, would, would it matter? <laughs> so I'm notorious for bad covers. I, Oh my God. I, what I think would be good is not what they, they're like, no, 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 no. Cause whenever they did the immortal prince blackwood they sent me four mock-ups and the third one is the one that actually became the cover but those four i was like eh, you know i really like this one instead and i remember they called me and they're like we go into bookstores all the time and we look at all the covers of books you know we know what we're doing we need a focus group they like this one blah blah and people love the cover so they obviously know more than i do and this one you know right at that after that incident now they just send me a cover and they're like here's what we're doing Okay. <laughs> you know, I, if I truly hated it, I would tell them, but no, I think they nail it every time. So, um, how, how, how big a read is how many words, how many pages? I mean, is it a, a thick read or cause you can never tell when you got just the covers. If you can see the book, <laughs> you know how thick it is. What am I investing my, my, uh, in, into time wise when I get into this book? I think it's about 230 something pages. I'm not, not entirely sure. I, I know how many it is on Microsoft Word, and obviously that doesn't translate to the actual book itself. All right. But, and yeah. it's something like 60, 62,000 or something like that words. So, wow. Uh, is that a concern when, when you're uh, writing about, do you think about, you know, uh, people's short attention? Because I think there is a, Again, I hate to even have to put artists in, in in a box and make them think in terms of business, but uh, they made records three minutes long for a reason, singles three minutes long on the radio for a reason. They make books a certain uh, width <laughs> for a reason because people have an, they go when they look at books, they tend to think, like I just said, how much time am I investing when I pick up this book? Is that a concern when you're writing or you just think, no, I'm going to read, I have a word count in mind that I'm shooting for and that's it. I have a minimum count because books do, to be a full length novel, do have a minimum. So I have that that I go for, but you know, a lot of times I, I mean, I just, I'm, whenever I'm done, I'm done, but right. I, I have, um, I went back to school. I'm going back to school for um, my paralegal certificate. Hopefully that'll be more useful than a journalism degree at this point. <laughs> and um, anyway, I've been focusing more on that. So I've been writing short stories and I've got free short stories up on my website. And, you know, they're, they're maybe, you know, they're less than 10 pages long and just quick, short, little interesting stories. You know, some of them are horror stories. Some of them are just ridiculous. Like I put up one, two or three weeks ago called super accountant. And it was, it's an accountant to superheroes who come in wanting to get tax deductions for their capes and stuff. So. <laughs> uh, who would have the best uh, tax write-offs out of all the superheroes? Well, Batman probably, right? Cause he. Had... Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All that, all that good. It's, I mean, Oh yeah. The Batmobile. It's my work truck. I got it. <laughs> 
when I was a kid, they had the Bat Computer, that version of Batman, the Bat Computer, and it was just like a giant IBM, you know, mainframe system in the in the Bat Cave, uh, and nobody had computers in those days, so it was a, a cool thing. And then all all it did was spit out a piece of paper that told them the answer to its questions. Basically, it was it was like a magic eight ball, <laughs> a big oh <laughs> machine. Um, what about uh, the concern? And I don't, I don't know if it is a concern. I'm just asking. But uh, if because your your first two books were um, different in subject matter, uh, the concern about how far you can veer from what people know you for, like you you develop Stephen King. I mean, he can't write a romance novel, right? How far can you go from, from your home base to not? alienate yourself from the, the followers that you're building i i really don't think about it i mean i i, you know? I get an idea in my head i get an idea in my head and i think about okay i want to put this out on paper and if people like it they like it i mean it's it's like you said it's art you're gonna do i, I think at the end of the day you need to do what makes you happy you can't do what makes everybody else happy right. and you know if stephen king wanted to write a romance novel I'm sure it'd be a very interesting version of a romance novel, <laughs> but even JK Rowling, I mean, obviously she's known for Harry Potter right. and she went out and she wrote a completely different book that, you know, was not Harry Potter and people still went to her. So what, what is that? I don't, I'm not familiar with it. God, I got to look it up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, just, I, I mean, just kind of, can you give me an idea of what the subject matter was? I mean, if it wasn't, it was more adult stuff. Honestly, I didn't read it. Um, yeah, it yeah. wasn't really up my alley. But I admire her that she actually did write something no, else. That takes some courage, yeah, which was my point here. I mean, uh, the audience, I know the artist usually won't care. Uh, the, I guarantee the business people, the, the people marketing the book, care somewhat. Uh, but it's a, I know that the audience generally will want to pigeonhole an artist no matter what the what the discipline they're they're in whether they're writing books or making films or whatever they tend to be really disloyal and feel you know betrayed if you if you stray from what it is you're known for even if they happen to be fans of the new thing that you're trying out if that makes any sense it's a it's a weird and everybody it's the worst thing for an artist to be put in a box like that being typecast but it happens, and I, I the audience demands it in some cases. So, I, I would think, think people that, should expect people to evolve. I mean, we're hopefully always evolving every day, so I think people should expect that from artists that they admire, whether they be musicians or authors or filmmakers or what have you. Right. Um, you know, I just I can't imagine. You know, you have like okay, you can have a band, and they might have you know some something that distinguishes like whenever you hear a song that's them but they're still different they're constantly evolving and getting better hopefully better yeah well i i actually watched a video on that pat finnerty uh in the music world there's a guy named uh, rick beato who does uh, a feature video uh a video series called what makes this song great and he analyzes old songs uh classic rock songs and talks about the construction of them and what makes them so popular and all that stuff. And there's a guy named Pat Finity who kind of parodies him now who's doing uh, What Makes This Song Stink. <laughs> and uh, he, he was talking about how he was a major fan of Weezer 
when he was young and just you know lining up when they're out of cds were coming out lining up waiting for him the next day and then at some point they made a radical shift in 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 who and what they were and it totally turned him off and now he hates them and so i I, that kind of illustrates that you know the audience kind of wants you yeah you're right they should want you to evolve but in many cases they don't especially in music you know uh so it's it's just a weird thing what do you got in mind now are you have you already an idea for your next book or this one just got published today are you are you already thinking about your next book mm-hmm. i'm working on it right now um uh i just hit about ten thousand words today wow so. uh, any any don't want to give us any preview as to what it might be about Rocco the Wear Chicken, <laughs> isn't it? Wear Chicken? That's right, Wear Chicken. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds like a far departure. Now, now, now you're moving very far away from your, your home base. I hope, I hope your audience goes with you and, and uh, follows you down that path. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm not worried. You know, one of the things my publisher said was one of the things I like about me is that I don't have a specific genre. Now I will tell you, you're never going to see a romance novel from me. I can't do it. I won't, you know, there's good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole world breathes a sigh of relief. Yeah. I can't, I think uh, lifetime movie network and you know, all that stuff, they kind of had their, the yeah, hardest thing for me is to interview a romance uh, novelist because I, I have to be quite honest with it. Like this stuff, I just don't have much patience for it at all. I can't, no matter how good a writer you are, the nature of what you're writing about is going to turn me off just from the start. I mean, I, I can't watch chick flicks and I can't get into <laughs> romance novels and it's it's not because i have too much toxic masculinity or whatever they want to call it it's just uh bores the hell out of me i'm not interested in in, uh finding happily ever after because i don't think it really exists i I think happily comes one moment at a time and you have to work on every single moment you have to work on uh, maintaining happiness and that idea of i'm going to find happiness in, in whoever's out there it's just repugnant to me. You know, I can't. I can't relate. Uh, so yeah, that's um, my my take on that. Do you remember Cockygate from a couple of years ago, yeah. or maybe it's been three years now, where the yeah. woman tried to copyright cop? Or she tried to copyright cocky because that was in her her whole romance series, the cocky cowboy, the cocky astronaut, and she got shot down for being able to copyright that word. Yeah, <laughs> she. She lost a lot of readers and a lot of other people that, you know, they, they love those dime store romances. And yeah. she, she lost a lot of people trying to pull that stunt. It is the most popular genre by far. I mean, I get every once in a while, I go looking at the stats on book sales and all that stuff, to, especially to see how, uh, if I can, to see how the books from the authors that uh, I've had on are doing. And man, I'm blown away by the interest in romance novels and romance movies and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I just, it makes me feel like an outsider. Like, what's wrong with me that I don't get this? <laughs> I think it's because it's the same formula every single time. Yeah. And that's, it just, it never really deviates. The other part is even before you start it, you know, there's a happy ending. And that, that, that takes away any. Uh, expectation of surprise because you always know it's going to work out and everything's going to be fine and happily ever after and so why why don't i just skip to that and just say the cover of the book says happily ever after here's my 1095 i don't have to read it 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, I, I know somebody can be out there right now. I'm like, well, you wrote a book about zombies. There's many zombie books out there. And, and, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I feel like people we're all just trying to make a fresh take on the zombie though. One of the things I like about it is that it's kind of like writing about zombies is like, combining math and English at the same time. So, you know, you've got English, you can BS anything you want, but the math, you know, five is five. So whenever it comes to zombies, you've got your basic things there that have to work. You know, they've got to be hard to kill, typically headshots only. They want to eat you. Those are your basic things. Beyond that, you can just BS whatever you want. They can be runners, they can be slow, they can do, you know, they can do whatever. There has to be a a strategy for making yourself as unappetizing as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ZRT opens up um, with oh, she's she's a young woman in a department store, and she has to call ZRT because there's a zombie in the shoe section, and it's just you know <laughs> you're just uh, wandering around looking at shoes. <laughs> now, I, are you a vegan or a vegetarian? No. No. So, uh, so the chicken thing, the chicken, where, <laughs> oh, exactly. where, chicken. where chicken thing, um, <laughs> you eat chicken <laughs> yeah. that I could, I don't know if I could handle where chickens knowing that cause I love chicken. I'm, I'm a fried chicken man. Uh, I did a whole video on that one time about all the kinds of different ways. I love chicken, <laughs> but it just it strikes me. I don't want to be scared of chicken. <laughs> Rocco is not a scary weird chicken. He's he's kind of a pompous asshole, really. He's <laughs> he's a he's a sidekick um, to somebody else. But I I am having so much fun writing Rocco because he's just you know he's he's just ridiculous. I love writing him. <laughs> he's a smart aleck. Interesting stuff. Uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of like research you need to do for the for the kind of stuff you write right because or or is there uh well the immortal prudence blackwood i did a lot of research on that one because all the serial killers in it except for the end one um they're all real and um i did research on the 40s my grandmother was still alive at that point and i called her to ask because she was born in 37 so i was like what do you remember from this so I did research on that. The for Witchley and for this one, no, it was. Um, now the book, somebody did ask me, did I do research on the area where it takes place? And no, because I'm from the area where I said it. I just gave it a fake name. That but makes there, it are, easy. yeah, but there are some places in the book that are actually real, like Appalachian Caverns. That's a real place you can go to. You know, I I, I have to credit you because I've uh, I've corrected. Even people from Georgia and and North Carolina on the pronunciation of Appalachia several times since you taught it to me. Uh, uh, but I, I've heard I've actually had guests on who from North Carolina who uh, live in North Carolina and said Appalachia to me, and I had to say, wait a minute, you're from there. You should, and they know the proper pronunciation, but they do it because. I guess to be polite to Northerners, people like me, I don't know why they do it, but a lot of people pronounce it wrong. You, you but I, uh, I will always remember that lesson that you taught me on the on your first appearance here, <laughs> Appalachia. Um, oh yeah. You, you know that that they're looking for that kid there. And probably, oh, you're not in Tennessee anymore, right? Or, 
or are you? No, no, no. no. I've moved but, since then. Because they, I, I hear, I hear he's on. Uh, he's been spotted. Brian Landry, the the kid that's wanted for murdering his girlfriend out in Wyoming, he's been spotted on the Appalachian Trail in Tennessee somewhere or so. Or supposedly has been. I don't know about that. But I, they, yeah, they said that uh, up where my parents live. They live in North Carolina. Um, they said they spot him there. My my brother's a cop, and he's like, he wasn't here. <laughs> so people are just calling and whatever. So you just that's the sad thing is that they still have to check it out. I hope they find him though. Um, you're uh, switching gears here for a moment. Sorry, <laughs> uh, you're into jujitsu, ju- right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been because of COVID? I mean, you're worried about book signings and all that stuff have you been actually actually uh pr- maintaining that and and practicing that i haven't rolled in a while it's it's yeah it's been a while since i've rolled um in a lot of places <laughs> i'm gonna sound like such a snob even though it's so jiu-jitsu is traditionally with a gi and if you don't know what a gi is it's like a bathrobe that's the best way to describe it and it's pain in the ass i hate it i, I know it's traditional hoist gracie you know, he popularized it with UFC one and he, I can't stand the gi and finding a gym that's no gi and allows leg locks is difficult, but because leg locks are traditionally considered dirty because you're touching people's feet. Yeah. But no, I, I haven't rolled in a minute, but I still, I mean, I, we, we just moved again. So it'd be nice to find a no gi gym around here and, and get back to it. I must, the guys I know must be just rule breakers because they, I've seen them doing it in shorts and t-shirts and stuff like that. Never wearing the gi. I mean, basically. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've got no gi. There's, there's definitely no gi out there, but traditionally, um, if you go into a traditional gym, that's just usually just straight up jujitsu, they're going to wear a gi wow. and they uh, expect you to wear a gi as well. Some of them expect you to wear the whole shebang, but. Are you a Rogan fan at all? Joe, Joe Rogan fan. My husband is huge fan, and wow. you know, if we're driving his car, that's who we're listening to. Well, the reason I brought it up was uh, last week, Sank Ungar. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Young Turks guy. Um, he said something, and somebody on Twitter said, "You wouldn't say that to Joe Rogan's face." And he said, "Yeah, I'd end him. I'd put him down in a moment." Now, Sank is a guy like me. He's probably uh, he's not as old as I am, but he's certainly past 50. He's uh, not in the best shape of his life and might have been like a fighter at one point in his life, but uh, I'm certain he's not like a martial artist or anything. You know, I was just curious because it started kind of an uproar on Twitter about <laughs> you got to be out of your mind. Joe Rogan's a, a, a black belt in taekwondo. He's a black belt in jujitsu and a former champion, uh, amateur champion. Uh, you got to be out of your mind to think you can put him down. But I um, had to say caution before you assume that assume the outcome of something like that because I know Joe Rogan has said a couple of times that he's never been in a, a real fight a street fight and there's a whole different level of when uh, you know in the ring in the gym and in, in, in the dojo whatever uh, it it get it changes dynamic when you're on the street or in a bar or something like that in real life so I you know I would never definitely some and the best self-defense to me is always not getting the fight but <laughs> uh, i just wanted to get your your take on that uh, the effectiveness of of jiu-jitsu or any kind of martial art in a real 
uh, active situation on the street in a bar where, where you had to actually not not go not trust your the person who's you know in a in a dojo you trust the person you're sparring with not to be a psycho murderer or pull a knife out or any of that stuff any thoughts on that really and truly i feel like if you for jujitsu i can't speak for other ones because that's the only one i've ever taken but i feel like i feel comfortable being by myself and i'm by myself a lot and i feel comfortable that if somebody tried to attack me i'm going to break their leg like there's just no question i'm going to break their leg because that's what jujitsu is for it's meant for the smaller person to have an advantage. I mean, you go back and you look at the first few UFCs where, I mean, Gracie was so much smaller than all those other guys. I mean, just considerably. And he destroyed every single one of them. Right. And, you know, and a lot of people don't, um, they don't train. So, and they they think they know how to throw a punch. They, they usually don't, not properly. Oh my God. The internet will show you how bad people are throwing punches. I mean, all those short videos you see on Twitter all the time, people look pathetic trying to. Oh, it's terrible. But, you know, you've, you've got people that don't. But bottom line is, a fight's probably going to go to the ground. Usually, fights are going to go to the ground. Well, where did you just see people shine? On the ground. And you've got, I mean, not just leg locks, obviously, you've got all kinds of arm locks and spine locks and everything else. And, you know, one thing that, a lot of people don't think about is there's just, it's a really simple motion, but if your spine is out of line, like if your head's out of line with the rest of your body, you're, you cannot struggle. So like if you have someone on the ground, you've got your, you know, you've got your arm right against their chin and you've got shoved up to the side, you know, they're not really going to struggle because it's out of alignment. Right. So, but no, I, I absolutely think that if there was an actual street fight in somebody who didn't train, went against someone who did train. Oh yeah. Person who did, I mean, rules be damned. I mean, they're, they're going to get messed up. I, right. I really feel like. I was thinking of what, what made me think of you in jujitsu jiu -jitsu in the first place is the, the idea of the zombies. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, defending yourself from a zombie <laughs> because in, 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 uh, Jake's movie, the clay zombie movie, the sheriff has to physically, uh, at one point, uh, defend himself from zombies because he doesn't have his gun with him, and uh, I, I was just wondering <laughs> how that would. Uh, in your book, how how is how are zombies killed? I mean, could, could a human being theoretically, you know, physically fight one of them? Um, well, Elizabeth, who's the main character in the book, she's not normal. She can fight them. It's and, and get bitten, and it's fine because she's already. But no, you still need to. You still need to be able to do the headshots or decapitate them. Um, I think for a zombie, jujitsu wouldn't be good for you. That's just way too close. You need to do something else. Throw a bottle at them. Do whatever you can. Just you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the, in his book, in his movie, uh, if you touch them, you become a zombie. Uh, is that the case in uh, with in your book? I mean, if if they touch you, no, you, you have to get bitten. You have to get bitten. Bitten right? or scratched. Bitten or scratched. So it's kind of all like a vampire type of thing. They have to get have to draw blood in some way. Interesting. I, you know, I didn't know about it. We, I just kind of figured vampires. I thought they. Well, I'm kind of going by Buffy the Vampire Slayer here, where they have to drink from each other in order to 
to become oh. a vampire. Oh, I had to go back to Dracula where he had to bite you in the neck and, and draw blood. And then the people that he bites become either they become vampires, but they become slaves to him somehow. Uh, I never understood that. Like if they're, if they're a vampire, why aren't they also the ones that go off and get their own slaves? I don't, I don't get how some kind of mind. I think is how that set it up. I know for Anne Rice, for her vampires, it's also, they have, they have to drink from each other to become a vampire. So I used to be a huge Anne Rice fan. <laughs> this is an interesting thing to me that I just uh, it just occurred to me that we went through a period of vampires are sexy, vampires are sexy, vamp- everything was vampires, and now we've moved on to zombies and kind of forgotten about the vampires. Am I correct in that, do you think? <laughs> I, you know, I think everything comes in phases. You know, it's just like, well, the last good vampire movie and book, well, the book was fantastic. Guillermo del Toro wrote The Strain, and then he had um, The Fall, and I forget what the third book was, but it was a great series. And they made it into a television show that was a little bit slow. They probably should have had fewer episodes to keep it up. But the way that he did his vampires was so awesome because they weren't sexy. They didn't shine the lights, glitter or whatever. They they were terrifying. And they were, it, he just he did a really great job with those books. What about uh, ghosts? ghosts yeah you find them sexy at all because i have <laughs> i i have uh, one of the romance novelists that i've had on the show every every romance novel she writes it kind of it crosses genres i guess but it always has a ghost involved in some uh it's in some aspect and i know some women find them you know it, and it's in gordon lightfoot's uh hit <laughs> uh, if you can read my mind the ghost that uh, you can't see that whole thing ghost and mrs muir that idea no well i mean are we talking about patrick swayze is he (laughs) um are ghosts sexy god no i i have a there was a short story i wrote about a serial killer who's having a midlife crisis and at the end of it one of his friends who's also a serial killer calls him up and you know, he's like, hey, so-and-so and I are going, and, you know, the person that's going with him is, is a ghost who likes to possess people, you know, and he calls it, meat, he calls people meat sacks. So, no, I don't, I don't really find them sexy unless we're talking about the actual ghost movie with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. I'm just thinking about how a, uh, what, what a midlife crisis <laughs> might feel like for a serial killer. Like, uh, I'm kind of bummed I didn't kill enough people. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, he's kind of tired of it. And it's funny. I, I made him, you know, he goes back to, he's actually, he's uh, made a lot of money. His family invented paper clips. So he lives in this big mansion in the woods that's, you know, really ultra modern. And he goes inside and he puts up his jacket that's padding in it to make him look bigger because, he himself is actually vegetarian and he's very small and you know he sits on a velvet couch with green fuzzy slippers and <laughs> did you say pa- <laughs> did you say paper clips yes yes i did he's a paper clip air for uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes he is wow that's funny man yeah, I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I really do. I, I mean, that that's that's interesting. Um, in the intro, we're coming up on the hour here, but I want to I want to uh, I want to get real here for a second. Now, <laughs> when I uh, we don't want to talk about paperclip ears. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> my opening, I was talking about influence, and it, every podcaster, if they're being honest, every podcaster is doing it to, to have some sense of influence. And I think the same is true with authors. Is it? 
And if so, because I, you know, I my what I'm looking to influence people here a lot of things, but primarily to think for themselves, and that's what's behind the whole literacy and interviewing authors and encourage people to read more. Hoping to have some influence in that area. If uh, first of all, our authors uh, generally uh, in the same vein as podcasters do what they do uh, in some sense to have some influence, and if so, what kind of what are you trying to influence people? to do <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> um that's what i'm here for <laughs> i i feel i feel like well i'm not changing the title of anything that so <laughs> um i like I, I think that's funny that they did that um but no i i enjoyed um as far as influence i hope that with with me writing and and people reading my stuff that it might spark an idea for them to write their own or read more stuff along that line. But as far as, you know, you were talking earlier about you, you read a lot of books, you're supposed to become smarter, you should be Einstein by now. I feel like when you finish a book, it just, it adds another layer to you. And I don't know, for me, whenever I finish a book, I take a couple of days because it's changed me in a way. And that's, that's kind of what I hope my writing does for other people. And I know that I don't have the most deep set things that I write about, but I just, I hope that people just kind of take a minute and think about how it may have changed them in some small way or made them think a different way about something and, and then they go on. Oh, I get it, man. And thank you. That, that was a great answer because uh, first of all, not every author is successful in, in getting you once you finish the book that not only do you think about it, but you want to keep thinking about it and kind of uh, examining it from different points of view in your mind and re re what did I really learn here and, uh, and kind of thinking about the characters and, and what they really meant to you and what you got out of it. Uh, because I have read a lot of books now <laughs> over the last, not every author is, is successful in doing that. But when you find those good books, that's the greatest experience in the world is to you finish something and you, don't have the initiative to, to pick something else right away because I need to sit with this and really feel it, learn from it and examine it and, and internalize it in some way. And, 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 and it becomes part of you. And I think you're right. It does help you grow. And I, I hope we are making uh, some kind of difference in, in people doing that and, and getting that uh, enrichment out of books. But I can tell you uh, it's, it's probably half and half i mean there are i hate to criticize and i know it's subjective but there are a lot of people who still are learning their craft and very disappointed that the journey sometimes involves uh not getting it right the first time and not being able to to hit the mark where people actually when they put down your book walk away and think it's still part of them for a couple of days or at least a week or two weeks even you know that kind of stuff so Good stuff. I love I love your answer on that, and I, I will definitely uh, that will definitely come with me as I move forward in this. So, so congratulations on this book. Um, I hope it does very well for you. You're not going to be doing any uh, in store promotions. Any other uh, appearances you want to let people know about? Nope, no more appearances as of right now. This is uh... I get the exclusive. Yes. Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, I will. I, well, okay, I will. I will tell you. I, I did do an interview with my actual publisher with BHC Press in May because they they did a had a digital booth 
up in uh, Publishers Weekly, Shindig, that they did it in, in Florida. And I had a laugh because, bless her heart, she was an intern. She was super sweet. And we did this whole interview. And then she goes, okay. And then her face just crumbled. She hadn't recorded any of it. We had to do button. it all over again. So the very beginning of the interview, I'm just cracking up like an idiot just because we're doing it all over again. And she just, she was so embarrassed, but she was very gracious. <laughs> just, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> no, you have to remember one job, hit the record button. And then, you know, lately, uh, cause I've been asked to be guests on a couple of podcasts lately, which is not something I look forward to or seek out. So, uh, Why? I'm not a very, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say about myself or, or have anything to promote or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I just, I doesn't feel like the, the, the right role for me. I feel like I'm more better off answering the questions and being the curious one than being the one who's supposed to have the answers. But people have approached me about doing pre-interviews. I was like, man, uh, that to me, that feels like rehearsing sex. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a conversation so that we'll be prepared to have the conversation in front of people. Uh, is that what you want to, want to do? Because by the time we get to it the second time, I'm going to be bored with the answers and you're uh, with the questions and you're going to be bored, whatever. We're not going to be engaged and not be really fully uh, connected on it because it's, we're just going through the motions. Man. I hate that stuff. So that's what it must have felt like for you on the second <laughs> Rehearsing um, sex is going to stick with me for the rest of my days. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Rehearsing sex. That's what it is. It's like, okay, well, first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this. <laughs> Don't tell me. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's the funniest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> wow. I'm glad I could make you laugh. Oh, no problem. <laughs> well, I appreciate you stopping by, and I do wish you a tremendous success, and you know the door is always open to you. I have the long uh, URL in there, which takes you to the uh, uh, BHC Press Comp book page about the, the book specifically. In the link, there's just the you know, BHC Press and Stephanie's uh, website. So <laughs> make it easy for people. I just want to let them know that. But the, direct to the book to find out more about the book right there. And that's what the, the look looks like. Uh, Stephanie, thanks for, for coming. And I do uh, look forward to uh, chicken horror or whatever. <laughs> chicken. Oh, I got the wrong say. I can't take that out of there. Why? Uh, the What is it? Where chickens. I look forward to the where chicken novel when it comes out. And, and thanks for coming. Until next time, be well. And bye for now. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Stephanie Gray, folks. Uh, where chickens, eh? Yeah, I love chicken. <laughs> I'm not going to go through the whole chicken spiel here. Um, I'm a little bit wary of where chickens. I'm probably not going to sleep well tonight. <laughs> Thinking about where chickens. Anyway, that's the week for you because I don't have a show tonight because I'll be out gigging tomorrow night and Saturday night. Uh, so next show I have for you is Monday evening at 8 p.m. Henry Phillips will be with me, the fabulous Henry Phillips, comedian, author, uh, musician, chef uh what do they call him a uh rambling troubadour extraordinaire that's that's what he's billed as henry phillips star of highwayman henry's kitchen uh and the movie punching henry which i just watched last night great movie check it out it's on amazon prime now uh he'll be with me at 8 p.m on monday so until then i'm at that which is by the way indigenous people's day 
uh, for the people in Hawaii who are still with us, not blown up. Good to see you still here. Uh, anyway, uh, Monday night, 8 p.m. Till then, I'm Matt Apple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Bye for now. Listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.
Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 